let's start by saying, I am blessed. Uh, say it like you had a little espresso. Say, I am blessed. Uh, the Old Testament has been uh, under attack uh, in Christian theology for a while now because understanding the new covenant of grace and how we no longer live up under the binding covenant of the law makes some people turn their attention away from the Old Testament, and they do so in their error. One of the most important things that the Old Testament reveals to us is the character and the nature of God. In the Gospels, we have the story of the birth, the life, the ministry, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ after the Gospels we have the epistles explaining this new thing that Jesus ushered into the earth, which was called the church of Jesus Christ and the bride of Christ. The epistles explain the gospels and all that the new covenant entails. But if you want to learn about the character of God, you got to go back to the Old Testament. You got to search out what he did in the Old Testament, because although the covenants have changed and the dispensations have changed, God remains the same. He said, I am the Lord. I change not. And one of the primary character attributes of your God is that your God, are you ready? Your God is a blesser. He likes blessing. It's a big part of who he is. It's a big part of his character. In fact, that's one of the things you have to believe as a Christian. You got to believe a few things in order to be a Christian. Number one, you got to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save you from your sins. You have to believe that and confess with your mouth what you've believed in your heart concerning Jesus. You also have to believe, Paul said in Romans 10, you have to believe that on the third day, God raised Jesus from the dead, that he was bodily resurrected. You have to believe that and whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But do you know the scripture says there's something else you must believe about God? Put Hebrews 11:6 up there. The scripture says, that if you, if you come to God, if you approach God, you have to believe two things. You have to believe that he is. Look at that must believe. He who comes to God must believe. Read that with me. He who comes to God must believe. Let's read it again. He that comes to God must believe. You got to believe two things. Number one, that he is, that he exists. And equally as important as believing that he exists, you also must believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Let me put it in layman's terms. God is a blesser and he's got blessing on his mind and he wants to bless you. Push somebody to say God is a blesser. Now throughout the scripture we see a myriad of different kinds of blessing. In Genesis 2 and 3 we see a blessed day. The Bible says that God blessed the Sabbath day. He blessed the day. You're in a blessed place on a blessed day today. You're in a blessed place on a blessed day. No, number two, we see a blessing on labor. Deuteronomy 28, 12 says that God will bless the work of your hands. Look at your hands and say, my hands are blessed. Look at your neighbor's hands. Say, your hands are blessed. Number three, a blessing on locations. In Deuteronomy 28.3, God said, I will bless you in the city 
and I will bless you in the field. I will assign a certain favor and a certain blessing to those locations in your life. So believe it or not, you are living in a blessed city. If you have to go out and work in the field, you're working in a blessed field. Why do we have a blessed day and blessed locations and blessed places? Because God is a blesser and he's got blessing on his mind. And then number four, we see blessings on entire households. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 11, that God blessed Obed-Edom and his entire household. That there is a blessing that will come upon one person that is so powerful, it begins to affect everyone else that they are around in the household. This is a blessing you can pray for. This is a blessing that you can believe for, that you would walk in such a realm and force of God's blessing that your kids that don't even come to church will be blessed just because they're in the house with you. Oh, hallelujah. That's a good one right there. <clears throat> then we see a blessing on a person, a blessing on an individual. Psalm chapter one, blessed is the man. You could just as well say, blessed is the woman who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. And then we even see a blessing down to idiosyncratic items like food and water. Put this scripture up there, Exodus 23, 25. Look at what God says he would do for the food and the water. He said, you'll serve the Lord your God and he will. Are you here with me this morning? He will bless your bread and your water and will take sickness away from the midst of you. God is a blesser. We got blessed people. We got blessed places. We got blessed days. We got blessed locations. We got blessed households. We got blessed bread and water because God is a blesser. But there's one more specific blessing in the scripture that I wanted to minister to you about today. And it's called the blessing of many days that it's a blessing that doesn't just affect you for a day or for a week or for a month, but it's one blessing that continues to perpetuate itself over and over again. And a one time blessing begins to affect your life for many days and the times that we are facing today of inflation and political unrest and talks of recession high gas prices and everything in the world is more expensive today. The church of the living God needs to know that every time a famine or a drought or a recession hit the people of God in scripture, God's response to famine and drought was always to use his blessing to bless his people right in the middle of difficult days. Uh, hallelujah. 
God's methodology for dealing with the famine and the drought and the recessions and difficult economic times is always to pour out his blessing on his people so that during dark days, his people begin to shine with the radiant light of his glory. I'm talking about blessing that makes no natural sense and blessing that you can't take credit for. I'm talking about the kind of blessing that when people ask you about it, you just start shaking your head and said, that ain't nothing but the blessing of the Lord. I am blessed. I believe your whole neighborhood needs to know that you are blessed. I believe everybody at work needs to know you are blessed. I believe everybody in your family needs to know that you're the blessed one in the family. There may be a lot of people in the family, but I'm the blessed one in the family. Pat yourself and say, I am the blessed one. Oh, pat yourself like you believe it. Say, I am the blessed one. Psalm 92.10 that I read for you, the, the psalmist rises up with a mighty decree in difficult days. He makes a mighty faith confession in a difficult time. He said, in a time of famine and leanness, he said, God, you have exalted my container of supply and made it as strong as a wild ox. And you start looking at the psalmist and you read the commentary about what was going on and you're wondering if he's lost his mind because he is speaking abundance, an abundance of supply when he is facing a drought. But then you go to the book of Joel and you find out in Joel chapter 3 verse 10 that he was obeying the commandment of the Lord. Because in Joel chapter 3 verse 10, the commandment of the prophet was, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the weak say, I am strong. Joel said, wherever you find weakness in your life, open up your mouth with faith inside it and declare that the opposite is true. So in Psalm 92.10, the psalmist is taking a break from playing the harp and taking a break from singing a song. And he rises up and says, I've lifted up entirely too much praise to my God all of these years for me to allow this famine to destroy me. I've given entirely too much worship to the God of all things, the God that owns all things, the God that controls all things. I've been serving him and praising him for too long for me to allow the circumstances in my life to accept a life that's less than what I have believed for. So he says on the basis of who I've praised you to be, I'm going to make a confession of my own. My container of supply you have exalted and you've made it as strong as a wild ox and I have been anointed with fresh oil and there comes a time when all of the news around you is so bad and is so down all the news from everyone you're talking with and working with is so bad and so down there comes a time as a child of God you have to step back from it and you have to say something back I came to preach to you this morning whether you want to hear it or not it's time to say something back to all of the reports of, of downturn and economic crisis and, and lack and not enough. It's time the church starts saying, my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches in glory. It's time somebody in the church that went to Sunday school stands up and says, my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If God had a need, he wouldn't ask the earth because he alone is God and can supply all things. 
And so I read that and I started looking at my life. I started saying, my container is strong. My bank account is strong. My credit report is strong. My physical body is strong. My relationships with my family are strong. My future is strong. My work is strong. My hands are strong. My thinking is strong. My mind is strong. My emotions are strong. My mental health is strong. If you got a point of weakness in your life, you ought to raise your hand right now and say whatever that weakness is and call it strong. God told the psalmist to call his weakness strength. So I call your weakness strength. If you're weak in your body, I call you strong. Somebody's got to say it to you. Everyone else around you is just talking about how down you are, how broken you are. I came to tell you that you are strong. Those of you that have been failed by people who looked at your weaknesses and labeled you by them, you told a lie one time, now forever they call you a liar. You failed to show up one time. Now forever they label you late. You need to take off the negative labels that people have put over you. That's why in the scripture the Bible mandated that the father label the children because your father in heaven is the only one that can identify you and put a label on you. So to the weak I call you strong. To the poor I call you rich. To the inconsistent I call you faithful. To the broken I call you whole. Give him a praise in the house this morning. Now I want you to give a healthy shout. Say, I am strong. Clear your throat. Get all the dust out of it. Get all the negative out and say, I am strong. Now put your strong hands together. Lift your strong voice up and give God a shout of praise. strong in our text the nation of Israel has turned from God and began to worship Baal believing the lie from the environment and the climate that Baal was the rain God they wanted more rain for their crops so they begin to forsake the worship of Jehovah and they begin to bow down at the false idols of Baal. And God sent the prophet Elijah to the people with a message. He said, you want to trust Baal for rain? You think Baal can make it rain? It's not going to rain until I say. And the Lord shut up the heavens at the word of the prophet and it had not rained for three and a half years. The, the, the drought caused a famine and nobody had any water. And as, as a result of there being no water, there was no food. But verse five and six of first Kings chapter 17 say that Elijah went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Point number one, during times of national economic decline, God always has a brook of supply. 
Oh, they'll get it up there in a minute. During times of national economic decline, God always has a brook of supply. And, and what I thought about when I read this is, why wouldn't everybody else go into that brook? And I, I found out it was a secret brook. Isaiah prophesied to the people of God, and God said through Isaiah, he would give the people of God hidden riches in secret places. That means everything can dry up all around you. Everybody in your city, everybody in your neighborhood can be in a dry spot, but God has a brook for you. And if you follow God and trust God, he's always got a brook of supply he can lead you to. I don't care what it looks like on the outside, and I don't care what the news is saying. My God has brooks for me that nobody else knows about. My God has things for me that nobody else has seen before. And so he was, he was staying by the brook and being watered. And then for his food, God is sending ravens, dirty, nasty, selfish birds. When you trust God, he'll even make the selfish bless you. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been blessed by a selfish person, but when you get those kind of blessings, you just stagger back from it and say, I know that was the Lord. I know that was Jesus. And, and, and they're bringing him bread and they're bringing him meat every morning and every evening. That's called a heavenly stimulus package. I don't care what the government does or does not do. The people of God will be provided for by heaven's stimulus package. Do not allow your hopes to be dashed against the rocks and do not allow fear to grip your heart. God can provide for you if he has to use the selfish to do it. If he has to use unusual means to do it. And I came to announce and prophesy a flurry of unusual miracles falling in your life. A flurry of unusual miracles from strange sources falling in your life. But then verse 7 says that it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Point number two, when a brook of provision dries up, it's a sign that you are about to increase, not decrease. This is to all the people that just had a brook of supply shut down on you, okay? Maybe your brook of supply was a job and it shut down on you. Or, or maybe it was a bunch of contracts that were supposed to come in this month or next month, but then it, it got shut down on you. It got canceled or, you know, whatever it was, a brook of supply got shut down and, and you're looking at it and you're feeling the squeeze and you're feeling the pain of it. Listen, when the brook comes from God in the first place and God allows the brook to dry up, he would not allow you to lose something unless he was going to replace it with something better. Listen. Elijah doesn't, he doesn't know it yet when the brook is drying up, but he is about to transition and level up in how his provision is flowing. See, he's been living outside, exposed to the elements, drinking water by the brook and receiving bread uh, and meat from the ravens, but he's about to transition from living outside to living in a house. 
He's about to transition from eating cold cuts dropped by dirty birds to eating home-cooked meals. He's about to transition from having to boil his water out of a brook to being able to get his water out of a well. All of that is about to happen in his life, but it started with a seemingly good thing drying up. And I want to talk to some of you that have been pouting on God because a seemingly good thing has dried up. If God allowed your brook to dry up, it's because he wants to increase you, not decrease you. That's the next prophetic word God sent me to give you. The word for your life right now at this time, in this moment, is increase, not decrease. Everybody say increase, not decrease. I am increasing. Come on, say it. I am increasing. I am not decreasing. I am increasing. I am not decreasing. And so God begins to transition him from one stage to the next by drying up something that had worked for him before. Why? Why did you take away my brook? My brook. It was blessing me so much. Why would you take away my brook? Because God can never transition you to higher as long as lower is flowing. Nobody leaves a flowing brook. So God in his love and his desire to bless you at a higher level will cause certain things on lower levels to dry up to force you to be willing to have the faith to move. I came to tell somebody, you need to have the faith to move. God is with you. You just need to have the faith to move. I know that thing dried up on you and it's scary and you're hurting and you've been crying and you've been asking God why. God sent me here to tell you it's so you can increase, not decrease. And so the scripture says that that he was prompted to move. And then in verses 8 through 10, the scripture says, The word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath. I know your brook dried up, but arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now, the A part and B part of this verse are uh, counterproductive, seemingly. Because in the A part, he gives him very specific instructions. I want you to go to Zarephath, the part which belongs to Sidon. That's where I want you to go. Very specific. But then he says, and I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. Well, there's a lot of widows in Bible days. There's a lot of widows in this area. How is he supposed to know which widow is the widow that's going to provide for him? Before we get there, let's answer it. Point number three, when death is all around, live anyway. When death is all around, make the bold decision to live anyway. How is he supposed to recognize her? No name, no address, no description other than widow, okay? He recognized her because they shared something in common. They were both in a season of losses. They were both having to live day by day, taking it one day at a time. And yet, in spite 
of, of being in a season of loss. This woman had lost her husband, lost her money, lost almost all of the, the meal that was in the barrel and almost all the oil in the cruise. She's about to go eat her last meal. Then she's about to lose her life. It's just been loss after loss after loss after loss. And yet in the face of all of that loss, here she is at the gate of the city gathering sticks to make one more fire, to have one more meal because she's made the decision to live in the face of death as long as she can. When Elijah walks up, he recognizes her by her character, by her spirit, by her will to live in the face of it. And he says, I know that's the one. She's been losing. He's been losing. He lost the, the brook sheriff, he lost the ravens bringing him bread. He lost the ravens bringing him meat. And yet he's made a decision to live by faith and trust God for that day. She's made a decision to live by faith and trust God for that day. And they were joined together, not by their familiarity. They were joined together by their resistance to death. They were joined together by their stubbornness to look at difficult situations. They were joined together by, by coming against against what was prevailing in the environment around them. And they were saying, I am going to live. And I, I just want to make this prophetic announcement deep from within my spirit. I don't care if they come up with 494,000 new versions of the virus. I don't care what the enemy says. I don't care if there's a new monkey pox or giraffe pox or lion pox or tiger pox or bear pox or whatever kind of pox, whatever that they say is going to kill me. I have made the decision to stand up and resist death. I will not be a prisoner in my own closet. I will not refuse to live my life. I will not walk around in fear and losing my mind. As long as I'm here, I am going to live. And, and, and I just feel like you should push somebody next to you and say, live anyway. I know it's painful. I know it's hurting. I know there's a lot of negative out there, but you got to make a decision at some point to live. I know you got divorced, but live anyway. I know she walked out on you, but live anyway. I know they fired you, but live anyway. I know your child's in trouble, but live anyway. I know you ain't got enough money, but live anyway. Take yourself to McDonald's and get a 99 cent burger and go to the park and pretend you're having a five-star meal. You gotta live anyway. Somebody giving praise in the house this morning. I made a decision to live. I made a decision to live. I'm going to smell the roses. I'm going to smile. I'm not going to walk around crying all day. I'm not going to spend my whole year miserable so they don't like you anymore. Somebody will if you'll keep living. I'm trying to convince you to enjoy your life. I'm trying to convince you every day is a gift. I'm trying to convince you even if you're down to just a little bit of meal in a barrel and a little bit of oil in a cruise, that because you serve a God that is a blesser, your life is not over. And what amazes me about the text is Elijah and the woman were both operating up under the same revelation. And the simple revelation is this. We are both running low, but we both both know that running low is not the same as running out. Oh, 
hope you didn't hear this preacher. You might be running low, but running low is not the same as running out. And, and so he sees her, and in verse 11, he says something crazy to her. Uh, he, he, he sees her, and, and, and he says something crazy to her. He, he, he sees her in a, in a drought. And uh, he says, hey, little mama, won't you... Uh, you run over there and get me some water. I don't know you. What is your problem? Who do you think you are? Little mama, won't you run get me some water? But I guess she was just a generous soul, you know? And generous souls... If you have a generous soul, you got to be careful. You got to walk a tightrope because people will take advantage of you. Oh, God, Jason, just, just take your time. If they need to leave, they'll leave. Just take your time. If you're a generous soul, you got to be careful because people will do you wrong and not even have shame about it because they'll just think you're big enough and generous enough to take it. People will take too much from you and you will give it to your own hurt and never say anything about it because you're a generous soul. People will take up your time. They will exhaust your convenience and comfortability. They will move in with you and not pay any rent. They will borrow money from you and never pay you back. They will call you and say, can you cover me at work? And they'll do it 30 times in a row, never able to cover you back. And, and, and you got to be careful as a generous soul because after a certain amount of living, the generous get jaded. After a certain amount of time, the generous start expecting to be taken advantage of. So you start to view every opportunity in your life through the lens of looking for the angle where they're going to try to get you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And if you're not careful, the older you get and the more experienced you get, you You'll start closing doors of opportunity just because you've been burned so many times. What makes me think this one's going to be? And the problem with that is, is sometimes those are opportunities from God. But you've been so hurt by people. You close the door on God opportunities. And I just want to ask you, what in the world? No, no, let me. What in the hell does people have to do with God? God didn't hurt you. God didn't lie to you. God didn't fail you. God didn't walk out on you. God didn't borrow money from you.
This woman is in a jaded place. She's a generous woman gone jaded. And, and there's, there's nothing harder to get through to than a jaded woman. It's like she started out with a whole spool of generosity in life. And it's been slowly windled down, windled down. She's down to a thread. A thread. She's down to her last yes. Have you ever been down to your last yes? If one more person calls me asking for one more thing, I'm going to throw this phone up against the wall and bust it in a million pieces. Tell T-Mobile I lost it. File an insurance claim. You ever been down to your last? Yes. She's down to her last. She's down to her last of a lot of things. She's down to her last meal. She's down to maybe her last week of living. She's certainly down to her last. Yes. And that's where God decides to challenge her. You got to be careful about being jaded because sometimes the, 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 the thing you say no to could be an opportunity from God. And, and, and God challenges her through this kind of, I'll say it, kind of arrogant, austere prophet walking up in the town. Uh, hey, little mama. run over there and uh, give me something to drink. And the woman that was down to her last just she used it. All right. Stay right there. I'll be right back. And while she's walking away in a drought to get this joker some water He says, and by the way, when you're coming back with that water, I'd also like you to bring me a little cake. It's here she unloads on him. As the Lord your God, because you sound like a preacher, as the Lord your God lives, I don't have a cake to bring you. Fact of the matter is, I got a handful of meal in my barrel, in my container, and I got a little bit of oil in my other container. And fact is, I'm gathering sticks. I'm going to go in and make that little meal and oil together into something. I'm going to make it for me and my son. In other words, you're not my responsibility. I've got a responsibility. Providing for you isn't on my top priority list. I've got a responsibility. How dare you? That's what she was saying when she brought up her son. How dare you ask me for this? You ought to be ashamed of yourself. And he responded. Oh, no, 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 no. That's fine. Go and do as you have said. Go make that, that uh, meal and oil. Put it together and make it for you and your son. 
then cut out a portion, a small piece for me, and bring it to me. Now, this challenge is brilliant. It's brilliant. First of all, number four, he doesn't teach her this, but it's a principle nonetheless. Elijah's not just a man in the text, in the story. If he was, he's a man that ought to be tarred, feathered, and shot. <laughs> Asking a widow to, won't you go work and provide for you? He, he, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a bad man, if, if that's all he is. But he's the carrier of the word of the Lord to the nation, which means he's more than a man. He represents the ministry. Now, the dynamics have changed because it's not just Elijah that's hungry. The ministry is hungry. Number four, whenever the ministry has a need, the individual has an opportunity. Because when you feed, not a man, when you feed the ministry, you sign a partnership agreement with God. Did you hear what I said? When you feed the ministry, in fact, food, that's what God called your tithe that you just gave and your offerings that you give. He said, bring all the tithe and the offerings into the storehouse that there may be food, meat in my house. In other words, he said, feed the ministry. And if you feed the ministry, I'll sign a partnership agreement with you and I will open the heavens and pour you out a blessing. You don't have the room enough to receive. Second thing I want you to notice about that point, God will never ask you for something you don't have. Never. In fact, if you get a request for something that you don't have, that request wasn't motivated by God. God never asks you for what you don't already have. He said, it's cool. I don't need a big cake. Just get a little portion out of what you do have. I, I'm not talking about what you don't have. I'm just asking you for a little portion of what you do have. And then he says to her in this challenge, it's so brilliant. What he's really saying and what he's really doing is so forceful. Because he's moving her focus away from what she doesn't have and directing it to what she has left or to what she does have. When you focus on what you don't have, it multiplies fear. But when you focus on what you do have, it multiplies faith. I'm going to say it again because it's good. When you focus on what you don't have, it multiplies fear. But when you focus on what you do have, it multiplies faith. And so now her wheels are turning. Okay, so what you're asking me is to go in and make this cake and then cut out a portion of it. A portion of it, uh, cut out a portion. That's all God has ever asked for is God never asked for the whole thing. He just asked for a portion. He, he said, cut, cut me out a portion. Because if you do, thus says the Lord God of Israel, that meal that's in your barrel will not run dry. 
and the oil that's in that container will not fail until God sends enough rain and enough blessing in the natural to end this famine and this drought. Now watch what he does there. It's so brilliant. He's teaching class. It's not his job to convince her. If anybody ever tries to convince you of something in church, you might be in a cult. Okay. We are not called to convince. We are called to convict. What I'm after is your conviction. Okay. And so your conviction, that's something that's totally up to you. What he does is faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of the Lord. So he gives the challenge. Make me a little cake. And then he gives a promise attached to the challenge. Because if you do bake me a little cake, God is going to bless your containers. God is going to bless your containers of supply. And he'll touch it supernaturally and it won't wear out. And then he steps back and he lets her decide whether she has that conviction or not. That is the role of ministry. That is the description of my job to say what the word of the Lord said, present it to you, challenge you sometimes, and then step back and see whether or not you have the conviction, which ladies and gentlemen is totally up to you. And so she gets to thinking about it. She already used her last yes on that water. I got a yes left. But, but this next response is a response that can only come from faith down on the inside. She hears what he's saying and she weighs her options and she decides, you know what? What do I have to lose? I'll, I'll make you a little cake out of out of what I had for me and my boy. And, and she, she prepares it. And then she cuts off a portion. Just, it's pitiful when you think about it. What God asks for. Doesn't ask for much. <laughs> she cuts off a, a portion. Probably not even a half a handful. You know. And she brings it to him. And she feeds the ministry of the word of the Lord. She feeds. She don't really like the man that much. Never go to church because you like the man that leads. You don't have to like the man. What you want to feel for is the ministry. The ministry. Where's God in it? What's God flowing through it? If it's about a man, you, you turn it into idol worship. You turn it into hype. You turn it into, you turn it into pressure that no man can stand up under. But if you keep the focus on the ministry, and she decides to feed the ministry, and when she does, the blesser stood up. And he looked at her containers of supply that had been weak. 
And he said, I'm about to bless that meal in that barrel. And I'm going to bless it many days. And I'm going to bless the oil that's in that cruise. And I'm going to bless it many days. You go on to read the story. You'll find out that one of her children got sick and died. But God, when he released the many days blessing, released a many ways blessing. I'm not just going to bless you financially. But when sickness comes to your door, that blessing that was activated because you decided to feed the ministry, it's still going to be working many days later. It had been a long time since she fed the ministry, but over a year later when she needed a miracle in her house, the many days blessing was still operating and active in her life. And I came to tell somebody this morning that's been feeding the ministry with tears in your eyes, writing your tithe check with lips stammering, going through so much pain financially, you don't know how you're going to get out. God sent me here to tell you, a many days blessing has hit your house. A many days blessing has hit your container of supply. A many days blessing is running over in your life and you will see it. You will walk in it. It will manifest for you. You will know the power of the Lord's provision. You will know the strength of God's supply. The devil is a liar. You are not going down. You will not lose your house. You will not lose your strength. In fact, God is making you as strong as a wild ox and a many days blessing is here for your life. Stand up to your feet. Put your hands together and give God praise for a many days. Many days. Many days. A many days blessing. A many days blessing. A many days blessing. A many days blessing in the name of Jesus Christ. By the authority of the word of God. Today we release blessing to you. From the crown of your head to the sole of your feet. We speak the blessing of the Lord. Not in one way, in multiple ways. Oh Holy Ghost of God. Lift up every low place. Lift every burden. And let the many days let blessing rest in his life in the name of Jesus. Give God praise. Give God praise. Uh, many days, many days, ah, many days. It's the foolishness of preaching, but I gotta keep saying it. A uh, many days blessing is coming to you. A uh, many days blessing is coming to your daughter. A uh, many days blessing is coming to your household. A uh, many days blessing is coming to your family. A uh, many days blessing is coming to your life. Somebody shout, many days. Now give him praise all over the house. Many days. Many days. Many days. Many days. I need you to get some faith down on the inside of your spirit. I need you to slap five people a high five and shout many days. Many days. Many days. Online. Type it in the comments. Many days. Many days, many days.
Many days, many days, many days, many days, many days, many days. Georgia! Georgia! In the name of Jesus, we release a many days blessing on your life. Many days. walked up here, God told me to tell you the devil's a liar.
many days blessing. Many days blessing. Many days blessing. In the name of Jesus. Many days. Many days. Many days. Some of your children are in a rough spot. A rough spot. It's just not lining up right. This is not looking good. The most beautiful part of this story, if you keep reading in the text, is not that God blessed her containers. It's that the boy that was a recipient of that provision, you understand God kept them alive by blessing the, the meal and the oil. But a boy that had been the recipient of that provision later encountered a crisis where death took him too soon. And God said no and sent the prophet and restored the boy to life. God's bringing restoration to the spiritual lives of somebody's children. Listen to me. Some of your children have died spiritually where they may have had a tenderness or an openness to the things of God at one point in their life, but they've drifted from it and they've died spiritually. The many days blessing also includes restoration for their spiritual lives. So I send the Holy Ghost in a word from the Lord. May the wind of God and resurrection power track your children down and breathe new life into the dead spiritual lives of them right now in the name of Jesus. May they feel something awaken in them even right now at 1203 on July 17th. May they feel something in their spirit. May God draw them and convict them and woo them and bring them back home. It's a part. It's a part. It's a part of the many days. <laughs> the many days blessing. The Bible said she she did according to the word of the man of God and, and the Bible said that the, the oil and the meal lasted many days over your life, over your finances, over your future, and for God's sakes over your children. Today, I came to preach and prophesy the many days blessing of the Lord from God our Father, the great blesser that loves and gives and is full of grace. And wherever you're at today, whatever you're going through, Wherever you're hurting, wherever you're being attacked or afflicted, I speak increase, not decrease. I speak that you're strong, not weak. I speak that you're rising up, not laying down. Receive the strength of God in your spirit. Receive the hope of God and receive the many days blessing of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Clap your hands all over the house. I want to invite you to get an offering in your hand to sow into this word. Somebody knows you feel the instinct. You need to give into this. You need to sow into this. The many days. If you want to write on your envelope, just write many days. The many days. If you're giving on your phone, but you, 
you still want to write something down, just write it on a piece of paper or envelope or something and bring it up here. The many days. You hold it all. God of my. God of my. Write my story. Whoa, ma'am. Many days, many days, many days. of Jesus many days in the name of Jesus many days many days hallelujah many days many days I believe
put your hands together one more time. Thank God for the man of God <laughs> that had his finger right on the pulse of God. You, you, you know, Jesus, he asked a strange question. He said, will there be faith in the last days? Well, I wonder if there'll be faith, if there'll still be faith because there's a cold, cold wind blowing in this hour. But I believe there's faith for the blessing of many days at Christian World. If you still have faith in God, give him one more high hand praise of God. Oh, come on, let's thank him for the word and season. It takes the tongue of the learned to bring a word in season to minister to the weary. Let's give God one more hand praise for the ministry today. Amen. Amen. God, God bless you. God's still speaking to somebody, challenging somebody to bring an offering. Not that we need it, but you need it. Father, just let your blessing, the blessing of many days, be on your people as we conclude this service. Let the blessing of the Lord, the hand of the Lord, the mercy of the Lord go with your people. And everybody shout in the name of Jesus. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night in Jesus' name.